Welcome to the podcast, where you will learn everything you need to be a successful student at any level of academic study. Listen each week as I interview experts, leaders, and students. If you are studying or thinking about it, you will need practical tips, techniques, coaching, and support to help you get finished and be successful. While you're listening, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Links and info are always in the show notes. So join me now as you listen in, learn, take action, and succeed. You're good. Awesome. Tracy, welcome. It's good to see you looking so well. How's the week been? Happy it's Friday. I hope you got a good weekend lined up. I do indeed. Thank you, Thanks. Peter. Why are you late today? You were at a meeting. <laughs> yeah, those interview tips. Um, yeah. Absolutely. All good. Good. On time. On time. Great, guys. See lots of people joining us today, which is absolutely fantastic. And as always, please just do uh, say hi in the chat. Let us know which university you're coming from. Uh, great to see that the universities are driving these sessions quite strongly. And today we're just talking about that awesome time when you get the offer. Uh, but look, you want to negotiate the best possible salary. And uh, obviously the company, you know, they've got some considerations on their side. You've got some considerations on your side. And uh, Tracy's going to take us through on her, you know, years and years of experience of helping other people to do that. You know, what are some of those hot tips and tricks uh, that you can think about when you are uh, negotiating uh, your job offer? So, William, how's it? Good to see you. Uh, yeah. Let us know which university you're from. And um, guys, look, you don't actually only need to learn these tips and tricks when you've got an offer on the table. I think this is something that, uh, you know, in any meeting or, you know, any interaction is always good, you know, to know how to negotiate and get the best possible deal that you can uh, for yourself. And just guys, anybody that's new to these uh, learning or lunchtime webinars on a Friday afternoon, uh, we go live at 12 o'clock and we either do coaching on a topic related to student success uh, we talk about workplace readiness or we interview people like Tracy. Um, you know, we really just look to, you know, give you guys good value and uh, hopefully kick the weekend off on a good note. And, uh, you know, many people have found these webinars absolutely transformational. They've been able to get more done, uh, been able to burn their boats, stop procrastinating, get proposals done, learn about academic referencing. And uh, I'll, of course, always put, uh, you know, the links to our Facebook group and to the YouTube channel. So please do go and subscribe on the YouTube channel. You'll get the recordings to all the webinars. You'll get loads more value. Um, and, of course, the Facebook group, you can, you know, see great posts from Tracy and myself and other experts in the group. We've actually also got some mentors in there. Uh, so if you're looking for a mentor, uh, please do come into the Facebook group. So I'm going to put a couple of those um, uh, links in the chat now. And then um, I think it's time to hand over to Tracy. So Tracy, before we dive into, um, you know, job offers and negotiations and all the rest of it, I mean, just remind everybody now we've got two courses uh, that you and I have co-instructed um, available for people. So just touch on the topics of each of those, where people can find them and the value that they can get from them. Tracy. Okay, so before I start marketing the courses, let me kind of position where I'm coming from because I'm um, claiming to be this expert. So let me tell you guys a little bit about my background. So I kind of uh, fell into the human resources space and in particular recruitment. And when I say fell into it, I had no idea what I was getting into. 
but ended up in a in a job within human resources where I was filing papers and um, this was in London at the time and I was filing salary slips and it was actually mind-numbingly boring but I was happy to have a job and then at this particular investment bank that I was working at they had this amazing graduate European graduate program and that kind of spanned you know the UK with England now um, and the rest of um, Europe. And they used to bring um, graduates. It was actually before it was a big thing in South Africa. They hadn't really sort of bought into the whole idea of, of sort of hiring unskilled labor and um, well, less than skilled, less experienced, should I say. Whereas in the UK, it was a big thing. They would hire people throughout Europe. They would bring them on board into the London um, offices. And I'm laughing there because the moment I saw William sign on, he was one of our babies a few years ago. And Natasha and I hired him. And there we have Natasha saying, well, I am. So she also recognized the face. So thanks for joining. Um, and so there was somebody who used to manage this graduate program. And she fell ill. And then they took this little like lackey from Human Resources to come and uh, take care of the, the grad recruitment for Europe. And 10 years later, I was still doing it. So I did fall into it. After I moved back to South Africa, once again, I stayed in recruitment, but I've always had that real drive for working with young people. I love being on campus and I love working with students. And during my time at Rand Merchant Bank, I also ran the grad program and got to hire a couple of you guys who I'm seeing are joining um, the chat. So um, two years ago, I decided to go on my own and now I'm an independent career coach and what I'm loving about that mostly is I continue to work the majority of my time with students. And what I really love is now that when I'm able to advise people, I'm doing it sort of objectively. So I don't have to try and hire people. So I can say very honestly, this is a great thing or that's a great, you know, well, that's definitely not steer clear. I can be a lot more authentic um, about it. So, yeah, I'm really enjoying that. So. Having done this for 20 years, I think I'm quite good. Uh, now I'm quite good to start marketing our courses. So Peter and I, we focused on two things. We have done an Udemy course on CVs, so CV skills, CV tips, etc. And um, the other one that we've done is interview skills. So we called it interview like a boss. So both of us, in these cases, there are loads of, you know, if you look on YouTube and on the internet and Udemy, there are loads of these courses. But because Peter and Tash and I had so much experience in this, we were able to draw from our own um, sort of actual real life hands-on experience in the field. And I really think that's what gives us an edge um, in these courses. But I'm biased, right? No, that's great, Tracy. And I just want to um, share the CV Masterclass course, which is up there on the screen. And I put the link to um, get free enrollment for that course uh, so that you guys can go and benefit from that. And, uh, you know, what Tracy's done is she's taken, you know, her years and years and decades of experience in helping people to develop uh, job winning CVs. And she's actually packaged that uh, into this online course. And uh, it's really, really done exceptionally well. So you can see the rating there and the number of students. And uh, if I just scroll down very quickly, you'll see some of the value that you get and what you'll learn uh, in that course, um, as well as I think the, you're um, hanging a little. I'm wondering curriculum. if I should jump in. My back online. 
Yeah, go ahead, uh, Tracy. We'll just see if Peter can reconnect. In the meantime, guys, please, go, please can I ask you to, in the chat... where you're studying and also it's useful for me in knowing how to position my sort of advice to say whether you're still a student or whether you are already employed uh, I think we've lost Tracy there as well now um, okay guys so let's just quickly then show you the uh, CV Masterclass course I'm going to stick that up again and uh, yeah, as Tracy was just going through that, um, you can see the course content there, learn about a CV, workbook, worksheets available, uh, getting started, what to include, what not to include, uh, the main sections, uh, learn about length and format. And then we also included a live Q&A uh, session that we'd held uh, you know, in one of these Friday webinars uh, so that you can see what everybody else uh, was asking about CVs. And then the other course that we have also recently completed is how to conduct yourself in an interview. And uh, once again, there, Tracy did a brilliant job converting her years of uh, experience, go through absolutely yes. everything uh, that you need to understand in terms of the process uh, of doing an interview. And so Tracy just uh, telling everybody about the second great course and I'll um, put the link into that course as well. So guys, huge value today from uh, your webinar uh, is free access into both the CV Masterclass and the uh, Interview Like a Boss course. And of course, all we ask for is just that you guys uh, do leave a rating and a review um, in there. So Tracy, I think, uh, yeah, you, you know, a little bit of glitching today. Um, but if you could just repeat a little bit of what you said, and I think where you were going before we lost you was uh, just asking people to post in the chat what their specific questions or queries was around um, negotiating the best possible job offer. Uh, so, guys, if you could please do that. Um, but then, Tracy, I think let's dive into it. You know, so fantastic. Uh, they've got through the process, interviews, you know, the CV, the whole story. And now they potentially get a phone call or they get a letter or an email or something like that. Tell us, you know, how it works and, and how they can best position themselves to negotiate the best possible salary. Okay. And in doing that, Pete, I was joking and said, oh, I think Peter's dropped off the call. And then I realized it's clearly Cape Town Wi-Fi. So I'm sorry if I join again. If I drop again, it's not my fault. Okay. So what I was saying is it's great to see if we know um, some of you guys – it's great to see your names pop up. And in particular, whether you say what you, whether you're still a student and if you're not, because then I can, you know, then I, it's kind of different. And why I say that is for a lot of you guys who are students, when we say negotiate the offer, you're immediately thinking, well, the graduate program is they always have a sort of base or they bring in the grads for the most part on on a on the same salary. And the other thing is people say, but I don't want to lose the job or I don't want to compromise. Or what if they pull the offer back? Or what if I seem ungrateful? So I find at a more junior level, that is something that is more um, 
that almost it's, uh, it holds people from actually even thinking about negotiating. And so what I want to start is with talking about as a student, when you're applying for a graduate role, I want to talk about what room there is for negotiation and in an, what is the appropriate way in which to do it and kind of where, you know, what is the level at which it's appropriate to stop? Because I think you guys are probably stopping way before that. All right. And there's ways, you know, there's ways in which you do it that doesn't make it seem like you're ungrateful or, or horse trading at all. There are ways that you can do it that come across as really professional. And the other thing is I was actually coaching someone the other day. And I don't know if they're on the call, but they'll know who they, they are. And we were talking about it and they said, you know, should I, should I raise it or should I just leave it? And I said, okay, so if, I mean, how are you going to know? You have to, the only way you're going to know is if you raise it, right? All right. So let's talk about graduates. Now, when you finish, or interns, let's say, when you finish um, your studies, you are mostly going to enter onto an internship program or a graduate program. When I say mostly, um, companies like to bring people in as part of a program versus directly into a role. Now, they will, they will pretty much always have a set salary for the people at coming in at those levels. However, the, there's a little bit of negotiation if you've got a master's or et cetera, et cetera. When it comes to, they will often have told you the salary up front. So let's talk about you're joining a, you're joining a, a company and they have said, 200,000 a year. So that's really, you know, we're just taking a, we're taking a figure, 200,000 200, 200, a year. All of our graduates are going to get that. Where the, where the differentials are, are potentially things like, do they buy out your bursary? Do they offer a study allowance? Um, do they help you with transport to get to, um, you know, to move to the next city? Do they, um, do they have, is there a mentorship program? So negotiating a great offer isn't just the financials. It's about the package, and that includes a lot of the support that comes with it. There may even be, a, there may even be, and there have been cases where people will say to me, you know, the salary. And in fact, if I think about it, a client that I, somebody, a young person I was speaking to yesterday, I was saying, and I'm pretty sure he's here, I said, no, the one thing about this offer is I'm worried about the salary. I think you should be paid more. And he spent, you know, a little bit of time telling me the different things, like the exposure that they'd given him and the fact that they'd given him a mentor even before he starts on the grad program six months before and the fact that they had um, said that they really support him one day having a secondment he said Tracy that is way more for me than what the salary is and I think that's what we have to take in in to consideration Peter when we say how to negotiate and I see Joshua's got a good question there there really are non-monetary things that hold a lot of weight so, Trace, I mean, on this point now, and I guess from an organizational point of view, I see a couple of different models. Like, I believe Standard Bank is, you know, reinforcing the opportunities of being able to work from home. I see other companies starting to say, look, get, start getting back into the office. We need our employees to connect at least two days a week type of thing. 
So now coming into the middle of this transition and this disruption uh, in a post-pandemic world where people are experimenting with, you know, hybrid working teams and remote working, et cetera. And I mean, I know of people who have moved house during lockdowns and they're working from somewhere out of Joburg. And if they are forced back to the office, they're going to be in a, in a bit of bit of a problem. So now getting a job offer and discussing, you know, the opportunities of work from home, how does that fit in into a, a job offer discussion? Joshua, if you wouldn't mind um, popping into the chat is, um, you know, a bit of, um, are you a student at the moment? Are you applying for a, a role for next year, etc.? Now, what I'll do to answer that question is I'll picture myself in, in the situation in, as being a graduate recruiter and having somebody um, that I want to make an offer. So, okay. I've got a feeling for how I would sort of approach it. So somebody comes to me and said, great, I'm so excited about this offer. And I have to say, I often refer to investment banking only because it's what my background is and it's kind of what I know, but it's going to be similar for, for all. So um, if somebody, I said, okay, awesome, we've interviewed like 3,000 people, down 60, down to we've offered 10 people, and you're one of them, here's your offer, and the, the your response is great, however, working, what are the chances of working from home? There's more to it there than just, and I can see Peter's nodding, there's more to it, you know, just, I would, I would be curious to know why. I think employers are going to be potentially more open to, to negotiating certain things, but they're going to want to understand and you, you're going to have to have a really um, motivating kind of reason for it. And the other thing is something like working from home. Okay, fair enough now, um, things are completely different. But as a young person coming into, I mean, for all of us, we, we feed off our the energy of our peers and we feed off the excitement in an office. But as a young person, even more, if you're joining a program, there's so much benefit to being part of a group of graduates or being in the office, being in an open plan and being able to listen to people who've had more, um, who've had, who are, who, you learn so much more. And so now I'm addressing the work from home thing more than the negotiation. But the um, something I've noticed in the last year is how many graduates have joined and have phoned me in after three months saying, Tracy, whatever company, I'm, I'm hating it. I don't want to be here. It's just terrible. No one's giving me work. It's like no one knows about me, etc. So Joshua, if you had, I mean, it's not the working from home thing per se. I think it's across the board. If there's something that's important to you that you want to try to negotiate, the key thing is to have a reason that's going to earn their buy-in. If it's something, you know, if it's something that they're not going to be flexible on and it's something that's important to you, better to know up front, right? So, yeah, that's not a... Great. Thank uh, you, Tracy. Pre no, look, I mean, <laughs> no, I think it, it, it is a very interesting space. Yeah, that we're all going into both as, you know, prospective employees um, and prospective employers, you know, so we can see from both sides. Um, that there is going to be a lot of change. But my perspective would be that the more flexible an organization is, um, the greater the talent pipeline is going to be because I think that the future world of working has to acknowledge uh, 
that some of your top people are going to do their best work when they're at home and they're not distracted by, you know, meetings and, and lots of the things that you get from the office. While on the other hand, you know, we have to recognize that a lot of the collaboration and the creativity still do does come from personal interaction um, and, uh, you know, the ability to, you know, grab a whiteboard and do some ideation and solve some problems, et cetera. So that's a, that's a big topic that I think, you know, is, is an important one to, to, to think about. And my suggestion would be, Tracy, just going back to the webinar that we did on, um, you know, preparing for an interview, you know, is always to do your research on an organization and to understand what their culture is. And the more that you learn and understand about their culture and what drives them and how they define success and how they consider, you know, maximizing their talent pipeline, the better positioned you'll be to, uh, negotiate a job offer. So Leoness has got a fantastic question there. And I mean, before we dive into that one, just on her first point there, Tracy, yes or no? Have you ever seen anybody successfully negotiate uh, a, a double, 100% increase on their salary? What, what Leoness asks there. Have you ever seen that in your life? Have you ever seen anybody double either an existing salary or a salary offer? What what kind of ranges you know, can people manage their expectations for? I'm actually taken aback at the confidence of selling double. Um, and uh, you know what? It's I actually haven't even seen anyone ask for double. So that's why I think it's extra special. <laughs> I love your confidence. Um, and I'd love to know um, the reasons why. I mean, so uh, no, I haven't. So I don't think that there is a, um, a don't. So I couldn't actually say I've never seen anyone over a certain amount because so much is in, you know, taken into consideration in situations before where I've had somebody that I work with who's entered in in a really junior position but has upskilled a lot and Toby will uh, and I mean Natasha will know it was actually a colleague of ours and Tommy upskilled a lot and I remember we worked hard to get her a, a, a great increase it wasn't double for sure but it acknowledged how much more she had taken on the other times are when you are earning at something and then um, maybe another company approaches you or you get another offer, and then that's obviously going to hold a lot of weight in terms of your company maintaining you. And, and you know, it's not only – companies don't only um, renegotiate your salaries when there's another offer. A lot of the time, companies actually say, you know, we've looked at markets at the moment – and we acknowledge how much you are, you know, contributing. And actually, we think it's time for for to to level it out. But just in the on the last thing about where you said hundred percent more. So whether it's five percent more, hundred percent more, the principle is going to be the same. The motivation um, or and the negotiation around getting an increase or getting better terms and conditions is going to be the same. And we can talk about what that sort of process should be. Okay. And then just let's finish Leoness's question. And then I want to go to back to Earl's question about the counter offer and the horse trading potentially. And, you know, if that's a good or a bad thing necessarily. Yeah. So just let's just give Leonie the full their answer there. So Tracy, so you get a job offer but they require you to relocate and you don't think that the job offer or even all the other maybe non-financial aspects of it is sufficient for you now to incur your portion of the cost, uh, which may potentially be the entire portion of the cost to, to relocate. How does relocation play a role in the job negotiation stage? It's a great question because 
I mean, ordinarily, or one would hope that the organization would say, okay, we require the individual to relocate, therefore let's uh, equalize it, let's look at, I mean, whether it's international or local, but let's equalize it according to the, the cost of living, let's build into it, um, the, you know, the fact that they may need to travel to see their family a couple of times now they may have a house or a flat or a room or whatever here now they're going to have to get a different one so the a company would ordinarily um make sure that the if they're needing you to move to another place to work that it would be you know that you would you not necessarily better off but that you would be the same if you if there's a reason that you perhaps your job is no longer feasible where you currently are and in order to, to retain your job it means moving then that's also sort of a different story because that's a whole negotiation of its own but what I want to say is in it's once again it's that whole thing where I say negotiation Say, for example, the role is going to be in a new place, it's going to be new responsibility, the conditions are going to be different. If they're not offering a, a, a change, it's your career, right? It's yours, you know, you go and find out and you put forward a feasible case. Go and say, okay, to rent a place in this in town, this is what it's going to look like. And given that I am now not having to rent a car or rent a car, catch taxis instead of catch a lift with my aunt, that's going to cost stuff. They're going to be open to that, but you've got to back it up with information. Hmm. So come with data, I think is what you're saying. Do your research. Um, and that's going to give you some good points on which to then do some negotiation. Because the easiest thing for a person, you know, the employer to push back is to say, well, you know, give me give me some some idea of what, you know, that amount is. And I know in my entire career, whenever I've sort of had a salary discussion with somebody and they've sort of said, you know, uh, can I get more? I say, how much? You know, and then they like they don't know, you know. So like that's one of the negotiation tactics from the employer's side, just to give everybody a little bit of insight that, you know, managers are always trained on is to say, well, OK, how much, you know? Absolutely. And I was if actually you hoping for nine know. and a half percent more. <laughs> if you don't know, then I mean it's like they're gonna laugh. And you know, you can try. Well, and again, yeah. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. And if you say, Well, I was hoping for maybe, you know, twelve and a half percent more, and they're gonna settle on ten, you know what I mean? That is negotiation, right? I mean, that is exactly so. And I think it comes right back to your earlier point, Tracy, as well, is that you know, through interviews and a job application process, we have to be a little bit more confident. We have to drive it. You know, companies of today need the great talent from everybody that's on this call today. We have a lot of value. We have a lot to offer to organizations. We mustn't undersell ourselves. But equally, you know, asking for 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 a hundred percent increase might come across, you know, you know, not so well, etc. So just again, do your research. Come with facts. Come with data, etc. Um, so Earl, Earl, uh, Jason wow, Messiah's there just says, uh, now let's talk about, you know, you've got multiple offers. So that is a fantastic position to be in. Um, how much do you talk about the other offers with each individual company? And then we always used to call that horse trading. Okay. Um, in, in the hope of increasing the best, you know, possible offer from, from any one of them. How does that work, Tracy? Trace, you there? 
We lost you. My favorite Wi-Fi. subject of all. You can see. And Peter, I think the Cape Town Wi-Fi connection. Mm, I think the Cape Town Wi-Fi connection is really letting me down. And it's my favorite no, topic of all. We've got you loud <laughs> right. and clear. So go for it, Tracy. You can see my whole face lit up. So where what, what makes me excited about this is that um, what a cool place to be in where there's more than one um, offer, right? And the other thing is it's an opportunity to show yourselves off in a really dynamic, professional um, way and to, to, if anything, to um, make yourself, position yourself better than ever. I mean, who ever wants something more than when other them? This is so, um, oh, we, I, I, am keep, I keep breaking. This is the first time this has happened, uh, my favorite subject. So Earl, um, what I would say is when you, you know, and I always tell people not to stop uh, looking for jobs at any stage. So, for example, you're in a job, you're loving it. Not that you're actively interviewing or Okay, looks like we have actually now lost Tracy there. And what I'm going to quickly do is just put Tracy's details up on the screen there and in the chat. So, if anybody would like to get a hold of Tracy, as she mentioned, she does a full-time personal career coaching and you can get a hold of her at her website there. And uh, what she didn't mention in the CV masterclass is when you go through that course, you can actually submit um, your CV into that course uh, as part of the assignment. And then Tracy will be able to give you feedback um, on that CV. Uh, so that's a real value add for uh, going through that course, which I think will be hugely useful. But, uh, you know, investing in an hour consultation with Tracy, I think is going to be uh, hugely beneficial. And if you can pay back, you know, that investment in a couple of hours with Tracy, through you know a better job offer i mean that then sets you up for uh because generally you'll only ever climb the ladder from you know your first offer um so very important uh critical opportunity to get in with the best possible offer uh right at the beginning okay i wanted to jump on to natasha's question here where she says um there's a young lady she was chatting to this week who secured law articles for 2022 she received an offer and her question was what do i do now what are the steps involved in reviewing an offer? Well, I mean, you know, I'll start answering this question and just give it a bit of a bash. But, you know, my suggestion would be to, you know, absolutely, like we've said before, do the research, um, you know, go through the details of the offer. Um, you know, very often the, the, the company will also share, uh, you know, some details around the possible employee contract. Um, and you need to then just consider all the aspects of the employee relationship that you expected to enter into. Um, and it sounds like this person is, you know, potentially a lawyer, so they would have that knowledge and that insight as well. Um, and it's not just the number uh, of the salary and uh, the financial details in the offer that are important, potentially the contractual aspects of it. Um, and uh, the company will be looking, obviously, to limit their risk. Um, but then you must try and manage your risk as well as you go into that uh, organization. So I'm sure Tracy will have a lot more um, to say on that. Kuchelani um, says, please comment on negotiating for salary coming out of scholarship and which benefits include stipend, sponsored flights, book allowance, and lump sum and conference attendance. 
Okay, so I think we've got Tracy back. Uh, so Tracy, I think you're going to switch off your video, um, but you're welcome to try again. And maybe the wind is blowing in the right direction down in Cape Town and uh, you'll stay connected. Um, there's a great question here about um, negotiating for salary after a scholarship. So if I understand the question correctly, there was a scholarship and you had benefits there. And now um, you're going into a salary that potentially you don't see those benefits explicitly mentioned there because it's potentially not the conditions of the scholarship. And you're worried now that you had a really good set of benefits in the scholarship. Are those going to drop as you go into um, you know, full-time employment with that job offer on the table? So, Tracy, just give us a sound check if you are um, connected in at least um, your audio um, and whether you can answer that question there. My initial response to the question would be, remember that a scholarship is generally going to be a fixed duration and there'll be certain conditions, um, you know, getting through your degree, for example. And it'll be generally perhaps for a period after your degree or for a period perhaps while you doing your degree, potentially, you know, studying part-time, et cetera. A job offer, if it's for permanent employment, is potentially for a, an unlimited or much more extended period of time. So the, the sustainable nature of that offer is something that you've got to weigh in um, and compare against the term nature of the scholarship um, contract that you, you would have been um, experiencing. So, you know, and we, you know, as an employer, when we hire somebody in and we give them a permanent offer, we welcome them almost into the family. You know, they become a, a contractual person. They are guaranteed to get a salary um, every month. It's an ongoing relationship. It's not a fixed term contract. Um, when I talk about employment uh, in the full time uh, or permanent basis. So, you know, I think that is a benefit as well, that you've got this um commitment on into the future um, that you know we will continue to pay you and I would compare the total um, value of that to you know the potentially short-term value that you've got with a, a scholarship or a, a short-term fixed contract so that would just be my um, initial thought around that and Joshua mentioned you know just on our discussion around um, you know, the hybrid working uh, discussion we had earlier, the trade-off was between flexibility and a fixed schedule. Uh, flexible employers get flexible hours uh, from me. And I saw uh, Joshua as well said, post-grad working at home, consulting, like to be able to work from home as possible, working from home a few days a week is a massive help. So again, I mean, my perspective is, um, you know, I, I love working a few days in the office, but then I love having, for example, Friday where I'm at here in my home, um, and it's a little bit more relaxed and I can still log on and do meetings and get my work done before the weekend. Um, but then, you know, maybe Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, we set team meetings and we're sort of in the office as a team and we know there's a bit of an opportunity to focus there. So my personal perspective is that the five-day work week is probably gone. I, I, I don't necessarily think we'll ever have an official enforced five-day work week, um, you know, certainly in in um, definitely not in the smaller to medium-sized organizations, and it'll be very unlikely in the larger organizations. It might be dependent on the specific industry. If it's a lot more of a services type of industry uh, and people have to do the face-to-face -to, -face to actually be, uh, you know, to function as an employee uh, or to deliver value for the organization. 
But again, you have to ask yourself how much of that can be done flexibly or on the road or from home even or in you know, more greater proximity uh, to the person's home that meets their flexible sort of working expectations. All right, Tracy, are you back uh, with us? Uh, just give us a view if you can see and hear us. Camo says, if I know the industry and know that I'm underpaid in my current position, how can I negotiate a decent salary in a new position when they ask for my current CTC? Okay, so there was, I think this is the second question on the same point here, where the perception is that a prospective employer will ask you for your current salary with an idea of only giving you a small increase on that. So they know you won't accept anything below what you're currently on. Uh, they give you a little bit of an increase on that. But to your point there, Camo, you feel that you're already underpaid on your current salary. So if you tell them that salary, you're at a disadvantage because you're already being underpaid. So then the question is, do you say, well, you don't want to share that information or do you share that information with the risk that um, – that they're going to only give you a small percentage on top of that. My my advice to you would be give them that information, but when you give them that information, put in writing your view that you feel underpaid and for what the specific reasons are with a little bit of research and data and perhaps some great advice from Tracy potentially so that when they see that salary and that you know payslip potentially that they've asked you for, they get it from you on the basis that you don't feel it's a true reflection of the value um, that you have to offer. Um, okay. Natasha asks, for those receiving a first-time offer, what advice can you provide? If I never received a contract before, what do I look out for? What about a mock paste, et cetera? Well, my simple advice would be you know, to get hold of Natasha or Tracy uh, or a career coach uh, to give you that advice or join a webinar like this where you've got access to someone like Tracy because if it is the first time that you're getting an offer and you're not used to reviewing these types of things and going through the detail of it, you might not be familiar with some of the clauses and the terminology that are used um, in that offer or that you know possible uh, employee agreement. Now, the, the other side of the coin is you know how much are you able to change anything that you're potentially not happy with? And, um, you know, certainly in the larger organizations, it's very unlikely that we'll change our standard employee contract. Um, but I have heard of some instances where they can add something in, you know, that caters for a specific concern. So, Tracy, welcome back. And we were just dealing Thank with a question here where um, and a great question from Natasha. And, the, and my sort of initial answer was to say, well, you know, if you're, it's the first time you're getting an offer and you feel a little bit out of your depth. You don't feel very confident about all the terminology and the clauses was to give you a call, either you or Natasha, and say, look, help, I've never looked at an offer before, what should I look out for? But can you give us maybe one or two, three key things that can help somebody when they review an offer for the first time? Absolutely. So I agree, and it wouldn't necessarily be me, but Natasha has done a lot of this before. But, it, but you don't even need to look externally. Within the human resources team of any company, they're going to have people that are there to advise you. Remember that you are one of many new, young people joining the company, and they know you don't have the experience. And in fact, a lot of times they will say, here's the offer, and they will say if you've got any questions or if you'd like to come in and talk through it. If they don't, again, like I always say, it's your, sal uh, your, your, your salary, of course, your career, it's perfectly acceptable to say to them, do you mind if I come in and you just talk me through 
the con uh, through the contract. And then the other thing is, and I actually want to post it on LinkedIn this week. It's so, it's so relevant. We call them a, a mock payslip or a dummy payslip. And um, and I'm, it's interesting Tash has raised it because in the last couple of days I was saying to people, it's okay to say, please may I have a mock, a dummy payslip with my offer because that shows what's going to be deducted. It's going to show what you're going to come out with at the end of the month. And it's, it's good. I think it puts different companies structure things differently and they will maybe contribute a bit more to maybe medical aid or, or maybe a pension scheme. You can't be expected to know it. I've been in recruitment 20 years and I don't even understand it. So say to the HR administrator, do you mind if I come in or do you mind having a quick call and you talk me through it? The other thing is... Um, the other thing is there's a lot of weight to having market information. And what I mean there is that there's no there's no journal where you can go and look if you're doing this job at this level, this is what the salary is. But talk to your friends or when you're interviewing, when you're on campus, they're going to be different companies coming to speak to you or else you're going to be applying for different companies and your friends are going to be applying for different companies. Ask them what the salaries are. See what's being advertised. At a career fair, you could walk down one aisle and you could have 10 different companies' uh, salary benchmarks. And that will make you feel more comfortable uh, as to where your salary should be positioned. Right. Tracy, that's a good answer there. Appreciate that. And I think it linked in well with Elena's question here about um, how you find out whether the salary you're receiving is up to standard of the market or the industry mm -hmm. that you're in. Um, so you mentioned that there isn't data out there. I mean, I think, you know, broadly speaking, yes, it's unlike, for example, if I'm selling a car, I can go and look up the book value of a car for that year, et cetera. And it's an industry agreed um, amount, right? Um, however, I would say, and I'm just going to quickly put it up on the screen, um, and certainly in my industry of IT, you know, an organization like IT Web publishes an annual IT salary survey. So they will survey 3,000 IT professionals in the industry, and then they will publish charts. And it's obviously anonymized, but they'll give you trends for different roles, etc. So your thoughts on doing research around salaries and benchmarks, you know, in the market? So what I find is, and in human resources teams, so in previous jobs, we would have access to payroll benchmarking, but I often found that they were, I don't know, as in always is going to be the case with these sort of uh, blanket kind of surveys, there was so much room for negotiation that I personally didn't find them um, that useful. And it, it can be a small thing like within uh, the, the broader group of a company, different uh, entities or companies uh, within that group are going to put more emphasis or more importance on certain skills and so on. It's not that they necessarily pay more for this. So I do think the range there means you can't always... So when um, in companies that I've worked for, they would always pay attention to that. It's important to have market um, knowledge, but then there are other things they'll take into consideration. As a grad or an entry level, there isn't 
um, in a way, hoped again. I think it's easier. So I do think get a lot of information. Get you know you can speak to a recruitment agency. You can speak to, as I say, your peers. You could speak to people who are currently in a grad role. You can get the salary um, information off, as you say, MoneyWeb or online. And then you what you want to do is collate it all, and you will never have the perfect number, but you can have a fairly good idea of the range and and also tracy i mean you know you might be going through an agency and you can certainly ask the agency what they're seeing in terms of offers for those types of roles but just recognize that an agency also has a, an incentive to place you because they'll get a commission of that salary so just be aware you know everybody's got their sort of own interests um and your primary interest is just to get the, the best sort of value for money or your input you know out of your salary at the end of uh, each month beander's got a great question here um just leading on from Leonessa's question earlier so now um you promote it you know in an organization you're doing well etc and you have a great conversation with your boss and they tell you oh wow you know you're exceeding company expectations and now you've got this promotion etc uh but actually same salary <laughs> You know, for example, or like a measly, a measly increase, a measly annual increase, and they they promote you, they give you more work, more responsibilities, but you just don't feel that the money's gone up in proportion. What do you do? You can say no, right? <laughs> I'm kidding. So let's think about this. So if I had a company and I had this amazing employee and I wanted to promote them and I saw huge potential and I promote them and I think, oh, they so fortunate i've identified them given them this opportunity i'm not going to stop and think how much more money can i pay you know in an ideal world companies should do that but they don't always do it now you have huge room for negotiation when they are promoting you you know that you have a lot of value you know they've recognized that and they're not gonna i mean they're gonna most of the time they're going to have given you a, a reasonable or an increase sort of in line with the new role. If they don't, you cannot, you're, there's no way you're better equipped to go and negotiate it. And what what would, how would you do it then? I think that you don't, um, it doesn't only have to be fiscal. So it doesn't have to say, for example, they're saying, all right, you are um, promoted. We can't review your salary until our next salary review cycle in July, but then we uh, guarantee that it will be over a certain percentage. Or else they could offer you something in line with what you were getting, but then there are other people in that new role that are different. Um, uh, and it, which again, it's not like you can go and ask people what they're earning. But what... I would say is once again, gather information because if somebody comes to me and says, Tracy, you've given me the promotion and you've given me this increase. However, if I were to go and look for the same kind of role externally, they, they're paying, you know, I'm seeing adverts for the same role at considerably more. And Tracy, it's not like I want to go. I've accepted mm. the promotion because I really want to be here. I'm not looking, but I also need to know at the end of the day for my own, you know, self-worth and that I am being 
appropriately rewarded. It's when it's that whole different, and Pete, you will know this so much. There's a mm. difference between saying, oh, well, if I don't get this, I'm going to go because that's what they're paying. No. If you love your job and you want to take it, reiterate to the company you're not looking to go anywhere else. But at the same time, it's not necessarily fair as far mm. as you're concerned. Yeah. Tracy, I mean, the, the, the one thing that I've done, you know, over the years, and it, it did result in an increase once, was um, when the manager said what they were going to offer me um, when I was actually joining a, an organization. And I said, well, I would be disappointed with that. You know what I mean? <laughs> And then the I, I just said, you know, and, and whether it's to Bayanda, you know, you just say, well, look, I, I would I would be disappointed with that. And I think back it up. And I said, well, you know, I was hoping for this and I ended up getting that. But th they made a, a connection between what they'd offered and the result that it had on me and an option to fix that problem. You know, sort of mean, so you give them a package, a problem and a solution. So the problem is, well, I'm disappointed. <laughs> you know, I'm disappointed because... Of exactly the reasons you say, well, I see offers for this, or you've uh, you've given me a twenty percent increase in my workload and a five percent increase in my salary. Uh, you know, I'm disappointed that you don't feel my worth is at least ten percent increase in in the financials. And then they say, okay, well, how much? Okay, well, then solve the problem type of thing. So, um, yeah, Bayanda says they're great advice. Very relevant scenarios given. Um, I just want to, I've, I put a link to the Facebook group uh, in the chat there. So please do join us in the Facebook group. And there we've got mentors and we've got Tracy and we've got lots of daily tips and tricks. And, you know, you can get inspiration and support from each other. Um, it really is a fantastic resource that we see people using a lot more and more of. And you're more than welcome to come in there and post any questions like, for example, the topic we're talking about today. Um, and then people will post and comment and just give you additional perspectives. Um, on any subject or issue that you've got relating to student success or, or workplace readiness, et cetera. Um, then Simone has a question, and I think, Simone, go and do the interview like a boss course because we do touch on this uh, in that course. Um, but Tracy, Simone's question there around how to answer the questions about current salary and then what is expected of you. Um, and then especially when you think that they're asking you that so that they then only give you a small increase. And when you dropped off just now, we had a, another question where people were worried about telling their current salary because they were already feeling underpaid. So that, that if they told them the current salary, they put themselves at a disadvantage. So the advice I gave was to say, well, give them that information, but tell them I'm disappointed or I'm not happy with that current salary so that they know that's not something that you would see as a, a good comparison on which to give you a better offer. But let's just ask Simone, answer Simone's question here about how you handle salary questions um, in an interview, please, Tracy. So I personally, I really don't like, I think it's so hard for you guys if somebody asks about salary in the interview. It's like one of those situations like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And I, the only thing you can do is tell them the truth. The moment you start umming and eyeing and trying to fudge it and whatever, I think you're right, Peter. You have to just say it as it is. Um, adding up front that you know, this is part of the reason. So say I'm in the interview now and I say, okay, so I'm earning 5,000 rand a month and yeah, 
I'm definitely not um, happy with it, and um, I'm looking to increase on that. Kind of keep it a little, keep it concise. You don't want to start justifying it or all of that. In the interviews, just the worst person, uh, the worst time, sorry, to talk about it. I always find that out of the interview, you can engage with the HR person and you can talk about that. But if it comes up, I agree. Say what it is. Don't fudge it. I, as a recruiter, when I'm interviewing people, I, I don't tend to say, what are you earning so that I can then make a, a, an offer as an increase on that. I'll have a range for that role. Maybe hearing what you're earning will give a little bit of negotiation, but you're hiring someone into the role. Um, I don't think it would be fair to say if someone's a junior, you're hiring them as a this, you're just going to do a, a relevant kind of increase. So, yeah, to answer that, you're going to have to say what the salary is, ideally not in the interview. I have had people say to me, I'd love to chat to you about that afterwards or so on. The other thing is, guys, don't talk about salaries in the first round interviews or in actual fact, there's some some busyness outside. I've got lots going on. So um, they're knocking at the door to see if we can give them a salary increase. Um, but jokes aside, do not talk about salary unless it's raised. I always say go through the interview and then once you know they like you, then you have, you're perfectly placed to start the negotiations. Yeah. No, wonderful, Tracy. I appreciate that. That's very good insights there. And I think everybody's getting lots of value from that. Um, I did just put a quick article up there. And look, I think, you know, the power of Google, right? I mean, you know, ask Google. I mean, you know, what is a financial analyst being paid with five years of experience in Cape Town? You know, um, who knows? You might... ...get some interesting insights talking about, yeah, you know, working from home. And I think that's something that, you know, is worth doing and doing some research. Um, so they've got 348 respondents uh, talking about flexible remote working, et cetera. And all of this just empowers you with information. You're going to be more confident and you're going to be a better negotiator uh, to get the best possible salary, the more information, the more insights, you know, that you've got into whatever it is that you're dealing with. So I don't, I can't talk for other industries or other careers, you know, but IT web for me is certainly... Um, a reliable source and they do a lot of you know great work in terms of running these surveys and you know writing these articles on a regular basis to help IT professionals and people in that industry um, you know manage their careers and a big part of managing your, your careers negotiating um, increases and in salaries and so on. Tracy last thoughts on this and then we're going to leave it there and uh, you know we're going to get into a Friday and it seems like the weather's warming up and hopefully we'll have a bit of a sun over the weekend um, so really do want to uh, thank you very much, Tracy. And maybe just to finish off with, um, there's one last question here that could be useful for you to answer and then say, you know, cheers to everybody on the call today. So just maybe let's pick up on Nondomiso's question there. Do you know what I'm going to do, Pete? So I think that Nondomiso's question is a really good one for us to talk about at, on, another, at another, on another Friday. Because I do think that there's room for negotiating salaries and offers aside, I think that there's a lot of room for speaking to managers and negotiating what your what your deliverables are and what and what you're hoping for from them. So let's shelve that for now. But what I want to say is my last words here are 
um, I'll tell you the story. There was a young guy who we um, interviewed and made an offer to. He was um, in his, I think he was honors and he was in the IT field and we made him an offer. And you know, like a lot of students are interviewing for a few different companies because you all need jobs or a place on a grad program. So we made the first offer. And then I could see he wasn't too enthused. Like he wasn't engaging very much. He went a bit quiet. And then I gave him a call and he said, he had had an, an, another offer from another of the top banks and he was thinking of taking it. And I said, but why, you know, why, you know, you love this, our company, we love you. Why would you take it? What's the difference? Is the salary different? No. And then it actually came out that it was the cost of a flight. The other company had actually said to move to Johannesburg, we will fly you. When you're a student with nothing but a study loan and, you know, expenses, family expenses and commitments, something as small as a flight or a week of temporary accommodation means a ton, sometimes even more than, uh, you know, what a salary means. And so that's really where I encourage you guys to see if there's room for negotiation. Salary can be salary, but things such as would you be open to buying out my study loan in return, I'll sign um, a contract that I'll work back a certain amount of time, or is there a chance of getting um, a little bit of temporary accommodation or my or my um, study allowance? Okay, so when you're thinking of negotiating an offer, think of including those kind of things. Often companies are going to be used to, you know, open to it. And then the last thing I wrote here is, if you like the offer and you want the job, say yes. Yeah, yeah. I would say that honesty and just the openness and vulnerability of just being transparent about your emotions, either positive or negative, right? I mean, and we've learned about emotional intelligence from Natasha previously. So like I was, I just said, look, I'm disappointed with this. And okay, well, I'll be happy with that. That's my me managing my emotions and adding that as a data point into the discussion. So Tracy, thank you once again. Um, Earl says, really appreciate the advice and the tips. Uh, good luck, everybody, and please join us in the Facebook group, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Make it, take advantage of the courses that we've provided you there, and uh, those of you that have joined the Facebook group, that's where we have a lot more interaction and discussion, so we'll see you there. Tracy, thanks, and appreciate everybody. Bye, guys. Happy Friday. Ciao, ciao.